You've been busy dissecting innocent mixing desks, I see today. Yeah, that was good fun, that was. Um, the left channel were just completely gone on it, uh, but it's working 100% fine now, so... just need just to... dust. Sorry, dust, yeah, it? dust. Contact solution on all, all the contacts, all that kind of stuff, wiggling stuff around. Basically, it's now in great shape. This is Sheer Isolation. It's presented by Kieran Moore in Trowbridge and John Ponting in Cricklade. Hello, one and all. Welcome again. This is Sheer Isolation. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening in. Thanks for tuning in, however you are listening to us. You've got myself, John. I'm over in Cricklade. You've got Kieran over in Trowbridge. It looks like a Christmas jumper, is it? It, is, it kind of is. It, I get it out once a year at Christmas. It's not any specific Christmas patterns, but it is a Christmas jumper, yeah. I haven't got my Christmas jumper out yet, but I will do because um, it, it's it's about time, isn't it? I've, I've got a lovely Christmas jumper of a T-Rex eating some reindeer. Yes. So I was literally about to say, I really want a Christmas jumper with dinosaur on it. And you've just said you've got one. So I'm bowled over. I love them. I will go and find it when we play our first track and I will show it to you. <laughs> Amazing. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> right. For people who aren't familiar with our show, we spend a uh, half hour a week just chatting about the local music scene for the West of England, uh, playing a couple of tracks and talking to various people who have some kind of connection. And Kieran, who are we talking to this week? This week, we're talking to Lucy O'Brien, who is an author and writer and journalist. I invited her on and she said she'd love to come talk about her book. Lovely job. So we'll be talking to her very, very soon. And um, we, we might as well just start off by getting, uh, getting one track on, on the books. And it's my turn to pick a tune this week. It is. Um, I, normally, I normally look back through the archive and look back through a few years and, and dig something else. But I am actually going with a, a track that was released this year. Uh, just a few months ago from a, a Bath-based songwriter called Sam Eason. Um, now, this is kind of a, a, a lockdown track. If you have been feeling a bit low and a bit down, just, just stick this video on and it, it just it just gives you all kinds of great faith in humanity. Um, Sam himself, he's a great songwriter, really, really good guitarist. Um, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, he produced a, an album looking at Bath folklore and wrote an entire concept album just about the history of Bath and, and particular characters. So yeah, he's really kind of connected to the West Country scene. And um, yeah, this is his new track. It's called You Are Enough.
track was called You Are Enough and it is by Bath-based songwriter Sam Eason. Are you wearing your jumper? I thought you'd gone off to get your jumper on. You're still I, not wearing I did it. indeed. I went off to get my jumper, yes. Amazing. I've got my jumper. I'm not going to put it on because I'm, I'm quite warm and it is a very thick Christmas jumper. Excellent. There you go. Oh, yes. You see, it's, it's uh, got a T-Rex. T-Rex, look, little arms. And you can, you can see he's um, already decapitated one reindeer and there's some more. Two more. Yeah. <laughs> go to, to Rexy go on Rexy you can get them I, I just like it because people say oh that's a cute jumper before they really look at the detail product placement 
Uh, so we've had books in the past. Uh, we've obviously had loads and loads of records and CDs. This week we have some art. Right, you need to describe that for the radio people. But it's, for the radio it's people. a lot of primary colours in, in kind of swirly blobs. Yeah, it is. It's, um, I don't know what it is, actually. I think it's like maybe oils, possibly oils. And they all kind of like twist into each other. It's very, very pretty and nice. Uh, but it was made by Jed Elliott's mum, Nicola Elliott, who um, is an artist based in Devices. Um, and as people may or may not know, Jed Elliott is the bassist in UK rock band The Struts. Um, his mum still lives in Devices, still lives local, and she makes art. And we share a birthday. And this year I turned 37 and she brought me around that piece of art for my new house to say thank you. And she, isn't that lovely? But it's a lovely piece of art. So, and I, it has a musical link, so I thought I'd share it. Right, it's uh, time for us to introduce our guest. So this week we are speaking to Lucy O'Brien. Um, Kieran, I, I don't know Lucy personally, so you're probably the better person to, to explain who she is and what she does. And she's got a new book out, actually got an old book out. It's been re-pu- republished and she's here to talk about her book, um, which is called Shebop. Released in 1995, it reflected on women in the music industry, and she's updated it for 2020, so 25 years later, uh, to reflect on how things have changed. I first published a Shebop in 1995, and then it was the height of Britpop. It was also when Riot Girl had the Riot Girl movement had been really popular for a couple of years, and there was a lot of interest in women's music, women's history. I had always interviewed female artists whenever I could, ever since I joined NME in the mid-80s. And I felt that female artists didn't get the recognition they deserved. They needed more space in the music press. They needed their work to be remembered, to be taken seriously. And I got the contract with Penguin Books to to write a history because, believe it or not, even at that point, there wasn't a history of women in popular music. That's actually quite an indictment, really, isn't it? The fact (laughs) that until 1995 for someone to go, hang on a minute. (laughs) Yes, yes. I mean, while I was researching the book, in America, Gillian Garr published She's a Rebel. So she published that just before I did mine but hers was focused mainly on American rock and roll and R&B whereas with Shebop I I really kind of broadened my scope so I was looking at all different music genres you know everything from kind of um, punk to soul music to, to what was then called world music which we'd now call kind of global beats really so it was very broad in scope and it was maybe more conceptual in, in terms of the questions that I was asking, you know, asking key questions like why is there no big female stadium rock band? Why do women always have to negotiate that image question? So it was like each chapter was built around a central question, partly because I didn't just want to do a normal chronology. I wanted to look at, look at things in terms of themes as well and look at in detail at the sorts of obstacles that women had to um, overcome to be recognised. You know, Shebop has this interesting life in that, and I call her she, (laughs) because she keeps changing and every few years I need to update her. So this is the fourth edition. Okay. um, And it's the Silver Jubilee edition, so 25 years. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought it'd be nice to have a little celebration and... um, my good friend Gina Birch from The Raincoats did artwork for this oh, new cool. edition. We had a new cover specially designed. And so it's a real collector's edition. 
and then I did this extra chapter and a new introduction. I hadn't realised that you had actually written those books previously because I hadn't looked into your personal past, but I picked up the skin autobiography that you co-wrote and I, it just blew my mind. I read that and I was like, crikey, I, I know Lucy. Oh my God, all this history. I hadn't realised all this stuff you'd done. I do the obligatory look up your Wikipedia. You actually got fired from the enemy for being too, <laughs> being too much of a rebel. How the hell? What the hell? I love that. That's the first time someone said you got fired. I suppose I did. I suppose I did. <laughs> it's funny, you know, looking back on it now. Yeah, I mean, we were the refuseniks as well. I mean, it was really quite a high octane moment there at NME in the late 80s. There was a group of us who felt that youth culture wasn't just about music, that it was also about politics, it was about art, it was about literature. And all these things kind of fed into each other. And I think NME had always been, in its own way, a counterculture magazine. And, that's, and it still was existing as that right up into the late 80s. And then questions were asked on high, <laughs> like, you know, why are they featuring politics? Why are they interviewing members of, the, um, of Sinn Féin? And why have they got, um, you know, the Labour leader on the cover the week of the general election? I mean, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, they put Jeremy Corbyn on the cover not so long ago, and that was OK. But in the 80s, we're looking at um, Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher was in the ascendant at that time. So it yeah. was a very politicised environment in, in quite a particular way. And the management really didn't like what they called a cabal of left-wing writers. So they, they kind of engineered a few sackings and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they made it clear to the rest of us that you know you the line. welcome you know <laughs> I think you just write about music and take all the politics out of it or you know you're not welcome do you think that um being a woman that you had similar barriers to yourself as a writer that the musicians were fe- having themselves as creative people yeah, I in a way, yes, because I when I first started writing for NME in I think my very first review was published in 1983. And it wasn't until, you know, it took me about two years to kind of really, you know, people had this phrase, break NME, as in, you know, you, you yeah. like break America. Or, <laughs> you know, it was like this insurmountable goal. And it was kind of an insurmountable goal for lots of people. And uh, it felt intimidating particularly for women because I think there was the, the the sort of general view that women didn't really know about music and couldn't write about it and didn't really have much taste you know it's so interesting this whole idea of musical taste isn't it it's very yes. contested you know and I and, yeah. I and I've noticed that maybe men and women consume music slightly differently with men, it's a bit like football and supporting teams. <laughs> it is. It, oh, it so absolutely the, is. The, the rigour and the, and the kind of fierce arguments about who you support and how you support and why you do. Whereas I think with women, there's a little bit more, well, I just really like that. Do you, do you know a musician called Annie Gardner, who is the front woman of a band called Hysterical Injury? I don't, but... That sounds Ooh. amazing. She did an art installation for um, an art gallery, I think, in Bath and Bristol, where she took NMEs and she piled them up in arrangements of gender. Visually, it's amazing to look at because it's exactly how you'd expect 
the man pile was like this big. The man and pile. This, yeah, the man pile. And the girl pile was this big. And then like joint pages is like this big. So in terms of the man pile, is it the covers? That's the is covers. It, They're cover the stars. Covers. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Wow. And so I grew up. Never, I didn't, for me, as a teenager, I never questioned that. You, just, you, you don't question that until somebody says, hang on a minute, have you thought about this? And then I go, actually, yeah. Oh, my God. And it, the work that you've done, though not directly aimed at me, certainly has had an influence on the things that I then gone on to think and feel and, and been interested in, including things like feminism, etc. Right. It really helped with that back in the day as well, because I hadn't seen that until she pointed it out. It's like, blow my mind. I mean, it's um, it's very interesting, you know. When when I came to update Shebop and do the do the final chapter, which I call Future Feminism, it did strike me that you know there was what's what I would say is the old industry and the new industry, and that shot of the the large <laughs> pile of male enemies, I kind of see that as more old industry, and that hopefully, and I'm ever the optimist that we're moving towards a new industry, which it, if 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 it was to be visually represented there is this um organization called key change key change going for 50 50 gender balance across festivals and other music industry events and why not the music press as well by 2022 i think that's Ooh. that's quite ambitious that is quite ambitious <laughs> but i love the fact that someone's trying exactly and wouldn't it be great to you know i mean maybe 20 22 is a bit soon but you know maybe in five years time we could see another picture of um the enemies or the equivalent and it would be it would be equal even <laughs> we're getting to the point where people are asking questions about people of color as well and saying actually and that's another area that gets completely neglected yes until um, i read skin's autobiography i never even occurred to me that a person of color had never headlined reading or glastonbury yes oh my god again yes. it's another one of those oh my god moments because you just assume that they would have at some point i was talking about this with skin and we're saying well in the workplace if if you're overtly racist you would lose your job so racism is actually often covert in the same way that bullying is covert quite a lot of the time and sometimes it's hard to pin it down and say this is what it is so it's what that's where this term microaggressions comes in doesn't yes it? microaggressions so skin says it's not that they would necessarily be overtly so but they just wouldn't put you on a radio playlist or they wouldn't promote your record in the same way they wouldn't prioritize it in the same way even if you're selling more records than the next artist so there's lots of sort of subtle ways that you're kind of shunted to the back of the queue or overlooked or you know when it comes to the award shows for instance there'd be lesser bands who'd get more awards you know is, is that yeah that sort of that thing. kind of know your place yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which makes know, which makes Skunk and Nancy even more kick-ass because they they did it on their own terms. I mean, how it's just an amazing story. Yes, exactly. That's what they did, and they knew that what they had was their live show, yes. which is unassailable. You know, you, you you'd see their live show, and you couldn't be not moved. <laughs> Tell us quickly more about this book. Has it been published yet? Has it, is is it out? Is it in yes, shop? just been published one thing that's really tickled me is i've had lots of requests for signing of fathers wanting to buy it for their daughters so i think that's quite an interesting little development isn't it yes um, i i thought well i'll just quietly update it and sort of put it out but there's been loads of interest and i think that's great. because of 
the wish for and the and and um, people's um, questions about diversity and like come on you know this this music industry is a workplace like any other that needs updating that needs to be inclusive and you know it it just seems a lot of those practices like Leeds and Reading festival saying well we're just we just book all these male acts because that's what the punters want and you think well Mm. not so sure Mm. now no no (laughs) I'm pretty sure there's quite a lot of bands that could quite easily fit onto those bills (laughs) Yes, exactly. So listen, we, we asked you to, to pick a track and you have gone with Black Box Recorder, Facts of Life. Why, why have you chosen that track? I love Sarah Nixie's voice and I think she's so funny and so subtle and mischievous. She's all those things and she's just a lovely person. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
Right, we have just played Black Box Recorder, Facts of Life, and we have just been speaking to Lucy O'Brien, amazing, amazing guest. Thank you for arranging the book, uh, Booker in there, Karen. That was incredible to uh, listen to. I mean, we've only from, scratched from, the surface there, mate. There yeah. is so much going on. From NME to working with Skin to going through all that she-bop and like, the 25th anniversary of her book. And it's, it's kind of like um, a, a rolling directory, isn't it, rather than a book? If she's updating Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. I think that, that's going to get many more reprints without a shadow of a doubt. Shebop, Lucy O'Brien, I'm sure it's available in, in your favourite oh, Waterstones, or try your local bookshop like Devizes Books, because she's great. But John, for, for people who don't know, we actually we record or film these on Wednesdays, don't we? Usually and we, if we can, yes, Wednesday or Thursday, yeah. Yeah, and we always round it up and say, how any news? And last week I said, no, no big significant news. And then we put the show to bed. Thursday night, the following day, I get an email from Chris TT who says... By the way, Kieran, just to let you know, I'm whacking out the live recording you sent me on Bandcamp Fee Free Friday, and we're going to take all the all the money that's raised from this from this live recording to pay what you want. All the money raised goes to MVT, the Music Venue Trust. So, Chris, that's brilliant news. Thank you so much. I very hastily wrote a press release, very sort of press release, very short email, sent it out to a lot bunch of people, various local outlets, to say this is being done, it's been released, it's part of Trowbridge. We're really proud. Support it if you can. And then come, it must have been yesterday, I think I saw it, or the day before, he'd raised £600, they'd gone straight to MVT, and it was, it, we were incredibly happy that he was able to do this based on a live recording we made in Trowbridge at the Town Hall. It happened to be his last ever UK tour, and we, we did our show in April, and I think he quit and finished in November. So it was literally that last six months of his touring career we got this live recording and I'm very proud of it. Uh, was that the gig where he played in the lobby of the town hall and, and the audience was sat up the stairs? Yes, and he played on the grand piano. Hmm, yeah. I think you were there, weren't you? It was a lovely atmosphere, yeah. A lovely atmosphere, it really was. But it was a really special show, it really, really was. Not just because it, was, it turned out to be his last tour, but we hadn't, we've not done a huge amount of shows in the town hall. We've done, I don't know, 20, 30. So it's not like loads and loads and loads, but it's... They've all were all really significant. They all sold and were really well attended, and that was no exception. But like you say, really special. Just slightly higgledy piggledy. All sat on cushions. It was just like someone playing your living room, but it's not your living room. It's a room full of strangers. Um, I've got three questions for you from that, Kieran. So answer them quickly. First off, who is Chris TT for people who don't know who he is? What is the Music Venues Trust? I know we talk about it a lot. And what is my third question? How can people donate, or, or can people still donate to this? So Chris TT is a Brighton-based folk uh, singer-songwriter. He is quite political. He's been a writer, a broadcaster, a journalist. He's done all sorts of career. The Music Venue Trust are a government-level lobbying um, organisation that represents UK venues, British venues, grassroots music venues. And they do great work looking after all, of the, th- all the ins and outs regarding the, the Music Venue Trust. And then lastly, if you want to check it out, just go to christtt.bandcamp.com. Or just search Chris TT. That's Chris dash T dash T. You type it in online in any form of social media, you get the cry emoji because that is shorthand is T dash T. Let's pay what you want. You don't even have to pay for it if you don't want to. Just go and listen to it. It is an amazing set. Kieran, that is absolutely it for, for this show. This is our, our final kind of virtually live podcast uh, of the year. Um, we're going to cross over. For, for our radio listeners, we've got some compilation shows lined up for YouTube and streamers. We're just going to have a couple of weeks off and we'll be back in the new year. So, Kieran, it's been fantastic this year to have a chat have to you. And, and do, I've loved it. Thank you ever so much, John. And to speak to all these people that we have been speaking to. 
Um, don't forget, peoples, you can find all of our previous shows on YouTube. Any track we've ever played, there is a YouTube playlist, which is an amazing uh, collection of, uh, it's getting on to nearly 100 tracks from nearly 100 artists, which is impressive, <laughs> to say the least. We, we've got uh, an interesting few months ahead of us now that we've got the vaccine rollout, and now that yep. people are starting to talk about booking themselves in, in for gigs, it's going to be, uh, we've got plenty of material to keep us going for a while. Yeah, we have. The big, the big thing next year is going to be this duality, this live stream and live show at the same time. So that's going to be the big thing next year. That's going to be the big talking point. So I am dead excited to get stuck in and find out what it's all about. Okay, so we, we will um, wish everybody a Merry Festivities, whatever you end up doing. Happy Christmas, guys. And uh, for, for the radio guys, we'll be back next week with some best bits. So uh, and until, until I see you next time, Kieran. Toodles. Toodles. Bye. Bye-bye.